Please remain standing in honor of God's word. We're continuing on through the book of Proverbs. And this morning we'll look at Proverbs chapter 4, verses 10 through 27. Proverbs 4, 10 through 27. This is God's inspired, inerrant, authoritative word. Hear my son and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I've led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked. And do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Heavenly Father, as your word goes forth this morning, I pray that your Holy Spirit will empower us to be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving ourselves because the blessing of your word comes from being doers of what we have heard. To enable us to do this, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. I'm sure many of you are aware that according to Acts 11.26, it was in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. It was meant to be a derogatory term. Oh, you're a follower of that Christ, what are you, a Christian? But the uh, Christians embraced it as a badge of honor. Yes, we are followers of that Christ. But here's the question I have for you. What were the Christians called before they were called Christians? How did people refer to them before Antioch? One answer is given in Acts 9, verses 1 through 2. But Saul, who would later become the Apostle Paul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Christians were known as those who belonged to the way. I can remember when I was a student in high school, I went to a Lutheran school, and I had a green paperback Bible, and in big 
bold print. The title of it was The Way. Uh, Some of you might be familiar with that. I was not a Christian at the time, and I was absolutely baffled. Why is the Bible titled The Way? At the time, I didn't have a clue. Now, I just prefer that the Bible be called the Holy Bible. However, the way really isn't a bad title for the Bible. Now, why were Christians called those who belonged to the way? Well, first and foremost, because what did Jesus say in John 14:6? I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So those who belonged to the way were those who were followers of Jesus. And notice very carefully, Jesus is not just a way, one way among many other ways. He is the way. He is the only road to the Father. Now, it's also possible that there are other references to those who belong to the way because Christianity doesn't just follow the way, but Christianity is a way of living. In a message I heard by Greg Bonson recently, he talked about how this way is a theme throughout the Bible. And I'll just give you a few examples, and there, there's many more than this. But first of all, it's the way of holiness. Isaiah 35, 8. And a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk in the way. Christianity is also the way of righteousness. Second Peter 2, 21. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. It's also the way of salvation, Acts 16, 17. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. It's also the way of truth, 2 Peter 2, 2. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed. Therefore, it's not surprising at all that Christians in the early church would be known as those who belonged to the way. And as parents, what is our task? Our task is to walk faithfully in the way ourselves and then to teach our children to walk in the way. Proverbs 22.6 Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. And that's very important because according to Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. So we want to instruct our children in the way of Christianity. And what we see taking place in this passage is Solomon reminding his son that he has taught him the way of wisdom. He has taught him the way of wisdom. And if you're taking notes, 
I have three points. Walking in the way of wisdom requires three things. It requires staying on the way of wisdom. Number two, avoiding the way of wickedness. And three, pondering the way of our feet. So let's begin with staying on the way of wisdom. Verse 11, Solomon says, I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. And then the very last verse, do not swerve to the right or to the left. May your foot, or excuse me, may your foot turn away from evil. Now, before I talk about uh, staying on the way of wisdom and the blessings that result from walking that way, maybe I should ask this question first. Are you walking on the way of wisdom? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life? Because no other way leads to the Father. Are you walking in the way of holiness, righteousness, salvation, truth? That's what it means to walk in the way of wisdom. Now, here's the good news. If we ever get off track, and if we are honest, we all get off track from time to time, which is why every single week we have a time of confession. The good news is you can always get back on track. I think that's part of the teaching of 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, where Paul says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Here's how I think it works. So, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching. This is the way of wisdom. Walk on it. It's useful for rebuking. When does that come in? You got off track. <laughs> you swerved to the right or, t or to the left. You need to confess your sins. And then there's, it's useful for correcting. This is what you have to do in order that you can get back on track. And then we continue on in training in righteousness so that we're thoroughly equipped for every good work. So I think that's part of the message there. If we get off track, we're rebuked, and then we can be corrected, and then we can get back on track and stay on the, quote-unquote, straight and narrow, as we might say, in our culture. And God does want us to stay on the straight and narrow. That's a theme we see throughout the Bible as well. This is what we read in Deuteronomy 5, 32 and 33. You shall be careful, therefore, to do as the Lord your God has commanded you, you shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. You shall walk in all the way that the Lord your God has commanded you that you may live and that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land that you shall possess. Now, this is obvious, uh, but to walk in the way, to not turn aside to the right or to the left is to walk in obedience to the commands of God. To walk in obedience to the commands of God. Yesterday we had a, a membership class here at the church. 
and we were talking about what the church is all about, and uh, I talked about the great commandments. What is the great commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then we talked about the great commission, which should sound familiar. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So that's the, the great commission. And then I talked about the great commitments. What's, what's the great commitment, you might be wondering? And, and we read from John 14, uh, verses 21 and then 23, among others. But that reads, Jesus saying, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. And someone kind of responded under, under their, their breath, wow, that's a great promise. One, one of the reasons why I had us read these verses, because I just love the promises of these verses. If you love Christ... You will obey his commands, and he will manifest himself to you. He will show you who he is in all his glory. And the other promise is that the Father and the Son will come and make their home within you. Isn't that a wonderful promise? The, the triune God, I'm assuming the Holy Spirit is at work here too, the triune God will dwell comfortably in your life so that you enjoy fellowship and communion with God. And I just love to go through those verses because I think they're a wonderful promise. But someone was wondering, well, well what's, what's the answer here? What's, what's the great commitment? Love Jesus? And I said, no, it's, it's obey Jesus. And then the question was, well, is this circular? And I thought, that's, that's good. So we, the more we love Jesus, the more we obey Jesus. The more we obey Jesus, the more we love Jesus. And, and I was thinking about that later, and I thought, I think that's how it works. Because you love Christ, and of course you want to obey him and honor him. And when you obey him and honor him, he shows himself to you. And you see how wonderful he is, and you enjoy greater communion with him. And you say, this is great. I just love him all the more. <laughs> and you want to obey him all the more. And you're blessed all the more, and it's... A wonderful cycle. Wouldn't it be great if it just went round and around? So I said, maybe, maybe the answer is obey Christ from our love for him. Obey Christ due to our love for him. And, and here's what I would say. Uh, if any of you has an obedience problem, and none of you probably do, but think of other people. If anybody has an obedience problem where they're straying, what you really have is a love problem. I would say go back to the love. I wouldn't say try a little harder to be obedient. My pastoral counsel would be grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Focus on understanding who he is. That's, that's where I would put the emphasis. And the more we, we love God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the more we will want to walk on that path that he set before us. And as that happens, uh, many blessings 
come our way. There's a number in this passage. I'll just uh, highlight a couple. Uh, first of all, long life. Verse 10, hear my son and accept my words, that the years of your life may be long. Again, this is, this is a proverb. This is not an absolute promise, so that absolutely in every single case, those who love God the most live the longest. Nevertheless, it is a, it is a proverb that we should embrace. But I don't think it's just, it's just long life. I think it's also a quality of life. Verse 13, keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Life in all its fullness. And you'll remember that Jesus said in John 10.10 10, that while the thief comes to kill and destroy, he has come that we may have life and have it abundantly. And we experience that abundant life when we walk in the way. Uh, another promise is success in life. Verse 12, when you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. Walking and running here are metaphors related to life, And it means that as we walk through life, maybe as we pick up speed and start running through life, we won't be hindered, we won't stumble, God will grant us success. And why will that happen? Because God will see to it that our way is straight. Going back to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will, what? Make straight your paths. Isn't that wonderful? We trust him in all our ways. We, we acknowledge his involvement. And he says, I will do this for you. I will make sure that your road is straight, smooth, speed bumps moved out of the way. You will not be hindered. You will not stumble. You will be blessed. That's, that's the promise if we walk as God's calling us to. You say, I'm still waiting for that blessing. Here's what I would say. Be patient. Be patient. Some people say, I've been walking with the Lord for two days. Where's, where's the blessing? <laughs> be patient. This is what we read in Psalm uh, 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates every now and then, no, day and night. And what is he like? He's like a tree planted by streams of water that receives lots of nutrients that yields its fruit in its season. In its season. So sometimes you have to, you have to wait. You have to be faithful. But in God's time, when the, the season comes, he will bless you as he sees fit. And then just one other 
One other blessing, I'm going to call this one discernment, verses 18 and 19. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. That's a good picture. The, the righteous, they can see very clearly where they're going. Verse 19, the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. Last week when we had uh, that big snowstorm, Michelle and I were going to the health club, and it was early in the morning, so it was still a little, a little dark out, and we're going down 12, and this car in front of us is, is going to the left. And I said to Michelle, I said, is, is he turning left? And then Michelle said, I think he's pulling over. And I thought, there's nowhere to pull over. And right off into the ditch, he or, or she went, I don't know, I'm, right off into the ditch, they went, and like, oh, we better be careful. We better stay in the center of the road. And, and I know what happened. It was dark. The roads were covered with snow. They couldn't see the edge of the road. And some of you have experienced this. I have too. The car hit the snow and down it went. And it can happen that fast. When we got done working out, it was bright out. And I, and I thought, oh, I'm so glad that the light has come out because now I can see the road a little more clearly. It's kind of the picture that Solomon has given us here. The wicked, they go about life, and they're in deep darkness. They can't see where they're going. Where's the edge of the road? And they're going down the road, and next thing you know, they're in a ditch. And they don't even know what happened. But we're going through life in the light. And as we go down the road, it just gets brighter and brighter, and we can see more and more clearly as we go. And I, and I like this last phrase. It's kind of interesting. They do not know over what they stumble. Have you ever met people and their, their life is a mess for whatever reason? And they're like throwing up their hands. Like, I don't understand why I'm in this predicament. And in your mind, you're thinking, well, I have a little bit of an idea. They, they don't even know. They're, they're that clueless. They, they don't even know over what they stumble. And why would they know? Because they're going through life in the dark. And I can relate to that because I didn't become a Christian until I was 20. And I look back to the time before I was a Christian and I thought, boy, talk about being ignorant. Talk about being in the dark. I, I know what that's like. And if God has opened our, our eyes, this isn't a time for us to be proud that we walk into life. This is a time for us to be humble and so thankful to God that he has helped us to see the way. That we have a light. The light that we have is a gracious gift of God that should cause us to be humble and, and thankful. We love Psalm 119, 105, right? Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Isn't that a great picture. We're, we're out there in the woods and it's, and it's dark, but we have, we have a lantern with us and we're walking and we can see where we're going. 
unbelievers, they don't have any light. They can't see where they're going. And the only reason why we can see where we're going is because God has blessed us with this, with this light. So walking in, walking in the way of wisdom requires uh, staying on the way of wisdom. Number two, avoiding the way of wickedness. Let me, let me read these verses and see if you can figure out the Father's instructions here. See if it's too difficult to figure out. Verses 14 and 15. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. Were you, were you able to get the message there? Solomon might be saying, am I clear? Do you, under, do you understand what I'm saying? Don't go anywhere near that path. Now, the word avoid in 15 is kind of an interesting word. It could be translated neglect or ignore, uh, but could also have a stronger translation, uh, disdain. Waltke prefers flout. Uh, this word has also been translated elsewhere to mean unbind. Unbind. In Numbers 5.18, we read, and the priest shall set the woman before the Lord and unbind the hair of the woman's head. Now, my purpose is not to go into that passage, but to just notice, unbind her hair, expose, expose her hair. I think another translation here could be expose the way of evil. I think it's similar to what Paul says in Ephesians 5.11. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Now, how do we do that? How can we do that for another person or, or even just for ourselves? Well, realize that the way of wickedness is a way of lies. And the way of wisdom is the way of truth. And one answer is by speaking the truth. I've mentioned this before, but I have a book in my library for counseling, and it's called Tell Yourself the Truth. You don't even have to read the book. The title tells you what it's all about. Tell yourself the truth, because you do not want to live by lies. The truth is a powerful thing. So we go through life telling ourselves the truth, such as God's definition of marriage is different than the current definition we are seeing paraded in this culture. God's definition of sexuality is different what I'm seeing in the media. We tell ourselves and others the truth that we find in God's word. And as we tell ourselves the truth, as we live according to to the truth, then we will not give way to lies that lead us on the wrong path. And it is always, they say be careful when you use always, but I think it's always a lie or we're deceived when we go on the wrong path. Think back to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Did God say that you will surely die. Would have been wonderful if Adam and Eve had said, the truth is, 
We're free to eat from all the trees in the garden, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil we must not eat. For the day that we eat of it, we shall surely die. That's the truth. You're lying. The truth would have combated the lie of the evil one. But they gave into the lie ate the fruit, and the rest, as they say, is history. But how do you combat lies? You, you do that with the truth. Whenever you and I sin or get off the path, it's always because we're leaving, believing a lie. We may not consciously think about that because we don't want to think about that, but that's what's happening. Another possibility is we're just ignorant, but often it's because we're not living according to the truth. The truth really is powerful. And what did Jesus say about the truth? The truth will set you free. It's a powerful thing. We avoid the way of witness by living according to the truth. And the third point, I'm going to skip over some things here. Walking in the way of wisdom requires Staying on the way of wisdom, avoiding the way of wickedness, pondering the path of our feet. Pondering the path or the way of our feet. Look at verse 26. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. So here's the question. Are you on the right path right now? The path of uprightness, the path of wisdom. Is that the path you're traveling and seeking to stay on and not swerve to the right or to the left? As we read through this last section, that's, that's verses 20 to 27, and it's a new section, you could tell, because it begins my, my son again. But in this section from 20 to 27, we have numerous references to body parts such as the ear, the eyes, the heart, the mouth, the lips, the pupil of the eye, and the foot. Now, to see it, what I'd like to do is read from Bruce Woltke's more literal translation of this passage. And I'm doing this because he brings out those specific body parts that in many of the English versions uh, have been translated so that it's kind of dulled or, or you don't see it. So let me read these verses and just pay attention to all the different body parts that are, that are highlighted. Verse 20, my son, pay attention to my words. Turn your ear to my sayings. Do not allow them to depart from before your eyes. Keep them within your hearts, for they are light to those who find them and a remedy for one's whole body. For every watch, guard your hearts. For everything you do flows from it. Keep a crooked mouth away from you and devious lips put far away from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and let your pupils look straight in front of you. Watch the track for your foot and let all your ways be steadfast. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Isn't that interesting? Now, what's, 
What's the message given with all, all those body parts that are highlighted? I, can, I think I can make it real simple so that even the children can understand. Some of you may recall, in case you went to Sunday school class like I did, that there was a little song sang in Sunday school, and I think it fits beautifully right here. It might sound familiar to some of you. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. Any of you familiar with that? few of you are. There's other verses. I won't, I won't sing the whole verses for you, but they, they go like this. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Oh, be careful, little heart, whom you trust. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful with what you do with all the members or parts of your body. That's Paul's message in Romans 6.13. Do not present your members. You say, what are members? That's the parts of your body. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. So the key is to use our ears and our eyes and our hands and our feet and our hearts so that we can stay on this path and please God with how we live our lives. That's the the main message there. To summarize it all is to present ourselves before God. Romans 12, 1, Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. And the mercies of God refer back to the first 11 chapters of Romans, which talks about our great salvation and the sanctification that we have, and that nothing can separate us from the love of God and this great work that God is doing. Therefore, in view of God's mercies, in view of all these wonderful blessings that he has bestowed upon you, how should you respond to that? He tells us. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I like that. Spiritual worship is presenting your physical body to God. It's kind of a a wonderful picture. We are called to be living sacrifices. There's an altar in which we present our offerings to God. And and what do we do as Christians? We climb up on the altar. We say, I'm offering myself to God, my whole body. And we place ourselves on the altar. And of course, one of the problems with a, a living sacrifice that climbs on the altar is sometimes they climb off the altar. 
And if you ever find yourself doing that, then maybe we have to present ourselves again to God, offer ourselves once again to God because of all the goodness that he's, that he's done to us. And I think the reference to all these body parts is present all these parts to God and use them in, in his service. Is, is, that, is that your heart? I want to offer my entire, entire life to God. Years ago, D.L. Moody said on one occasion, the world has yet to see what God can do in and through a man wholly consecrated to him. By the grace of God, I will be that man. Isn't that a wonderful statement? The world has yet to see what God can do in and through a man wholly consecrated to him. By the grace of God, I will be that man. And by the grace of God, may we be such a church. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you for the light of your word. We thank you for how it guides us and directs us in the way that we should go. Father, forgive us for those times when we have swerved. We also praise you that when we confess our sins, you forgive us and we can get back on the path. Father, as we walk in the way of wisdom, Father, we, we recommit ourselves to you. We offer ourselves to you. And we pray that you will use us for the advancement of your kingdom and your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.